Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the LodgeCast experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Oh! <laughs> What's the name of this movie? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome to another extra wet edition of Lockdown Hot Takes. I'm your Lodge Master with me as always is Brother Bishki. How's it going? And Brother Lucas with the mustache. Good evening, ladies and ghouls. And tonight, fan favorite, Brother D. Surprise, motherfucker. Brother D's got a beautiful, beautiful quarantine beard. Thank and, you. And a Pizza Hut hat. That looks amazing. And for the record, for the record, the movie lodge can only order delivery from Pizza Hut going forward because brother Zach and I discovered that Domino's, unfortunately, donates to the GOP. So mm. their Domino's is dead. Domino's is very dirty, but I'm sure Pizza Hut's got a lot more uh, dark skeletons in their closet, <laughs> much like the star of tonight's film. Oh, dear. Mel Gibson in... <laughs> Force of Nature. Co-starring Emil Hirsch, who also has some yes. skeletons in his closet. Yeah, it's all skeletons. We watched a movie that has two canceled leads. These men, <laughs> these men have been canceled. The movie should have been called hashtag problematic. It, I mean, I, so, okay, so Mel... If you don't know about Mel, Mel's fall from grace. He, I mean, just the recordings... That I mean, have been I mean, made of this knows. man. Everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to rehash it. Yeah. But just just take a take a little trip down memory lane of the recordings. As Brother D sent me the infamous hot tub blowjob convo. I deserve to be blown first before the fucking jacuzzi. And Emil Hirsch is known infamously for choking out a female film executive in a bar at Sunday. Yeah, at a party at Sunday. Strangling her, and from what I I understand, it was unprovoked. And there's really nothing to provoke it that could really, I mean, unless she, like, tried to hit him. No, no, unless she pulled out a gun and was going to, like, shoot shoot up the party, and he was, like, trying to stop her. I got excited when I saw Emile Hirsch's name. I forgot he was in it. And he's one of those guys who, to me, is like, you're rolling the dice. Like, you might get something great out of him. Or it might just be a... Force of Nature, <laughs> coming to VOD right now. And for the record, didn't Sandra Bullock and Ben Affleck make a movie called Force of Nature in 1999? Forces. Ah, Forces. Forces. Ah, okay. This is the prequel, Force. Yeah. <laughs> it should have been called Art Heist of Nature. Uh, there is an art heist involved, which uh, we'll get to. But before we really dive in to the wetness that is Force of Nature... Brother Bishke, do you have anything else to say on the subject of Mel Gibson? Yeah, I, got, I mean, I've got a lot, but <laughs> this might be our final chance to kind of. I got one talk story. About him. It was it was December twelfth, two thousand twelve, the last day of the Mayan calendar. Oh, and, and the Egyptian theater was showing Apocalypto with Mel Gibson in person. Whoa! We watched Apocalypto, and then Mel came out, and he was absolutely crazy like yeah. he oh. had like a handler with him that was like answering most of the questions <laughs> oh my and God. they didn't do any audience q a it was no just, you can't. no you can't at that point like he was like already canceled and then now i like how is he making but you know he's been relegated to vod 
Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to ever get a big studio movie again. I kind of wanted him in Mad Max Fury Road because he is so crazy, and I thought the the role demanded I, a little more I, crazy. I, I will, I will say, Bishki, yeah, Quentin Tarantino actually had a very astute assessment of Mad Max Fury Road, and he was like, originally it was going to be Mel Gibson, I think, back in the mid two thousands, but because of terrorism or global terrorism, they weren't able to shoot where they wanted to, and it got shelved, and then Mel had his problems. So Tom Hardy took over the role. But Quentin Tarantino said Mel Gibson is Mad Max. So what they should have done for Fury Road is Tom Hardy should have played the adult version of the feral wild child from the Red Warrior. So Mm -hmm. that way you could leave it open later for maybe Mel Gibson and Tom Hardy having like a crossover, which will probably never happen now. But I remember starting my, my first job in the entertainment business in September of 2006, which I want to say was one month or two months after Mel had gotten pulled over. And when I when I first started, the infamous sugar tits encounter. (laughs) Yes, yes. There was this letter that like uh, was going around. I guess Ari Emanuel from Endeavor at the time had like written this open letter asking Hollywood to boycott Mel. And it was a big, big deal. I I couldn't tell you how big the news cycle was for this back then. I mean, it really was earth shattering. And then four years after that, I'm still working the same job in entertainment. It's like a talent management company. And I'm sitting. I think this is this is a LodgeCast bonus feature (laughs) at this point. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It has to be. So I'm sitting in my boss's office across from his desk like I normally did when I was monitoring calls and taking notes. And I'm on a call. I'm rolling calls with my boss like late (laughs) afternoon. It was probably like a Tuesday. And my BFF, who we all know and love. Yes, the BFF. Sends me a... um, a BlackBerry message like on BlackBerry Messenger. Like that's how old I am. Like we have BlackBerry Messengers. And it was like these really scary, ugly like Frank Booth, Blue Velvet, Daddy Wants to Fuck quotes, but they weren't from Blue Velvet. They were like from some movie I didn't know, like Lost (laughs) Highway. I was like, what is this? And he's basically, he's he's like not tweeting them out because Twitter doesn't exist, but he's just like a drip. Like he's just texting me like one line at a time. And I'm like, and I'm freaking out. And so finally, I I, I like, I'm not even allowed to take my my cell phone out in front of my boss, but like I, I do it on the down low. I'm like, I'm texting him back like, what the fuck are you texting me? Like, what is this? And then like, there's like a big dramatic pause. And he finally writes back Mel Gibson talking to the mother of his child, like on these audio yeah. tapes. Mm. And I was Oof. like, Oh, yeah. that's the nail in uh, the coffin. But of it is career. Like, <laughs> but, but it wasn't, it was the original access Hollywood tape, but yeah. it's for Mel. And he's still, he's still doing his thing somehow. And, and as of like a few weeks ago, I, I pointed out to you that the passion of the Christ was going to have a sequel. Oh, Co- it's yeah. still coming. That's gotta be coming. Well, Wait, he's just, he comes it, back from the dead. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's called passion of the christ resurrection Oof. but no i refuse look, been look de- I want, it's on, been deleted I'm, from imdbs so i want to go know. on i want to go on record that i am a confirmed catholic in the pope's holy book or whatever and right. i refuse and my favorite movie is the last temptation of christ but i refuse to show watch off 
the passion of the Christ, which people get the two mixed up and it makes me look weird when I say it. And I'm like, no, no, the David Bowie, Martin Scorsese one. And they're like, what? I refuse to see Mel Gibson's version because to me, I've seen the trailer. I've seen the poster. I've seen the EPK interviews. Uh, to me, it's pornography. Like yeah, it's there's straight, a lot of torture it porn. Is, it is, it is straight up pornography. Porn. It's, so bloody, it's, it's Virotica. It's fucking uh, Loquisha. It is. It is Arkansas <laughs> porn. It is just it's like not, let me jerk off in yeah. front of you guys for an hour. It's and a half. not good. It's not good. Yeah, just it's not a good movie. Speaking of which. Force of nature. Force we gotta of talk nature. about it. We gotta talk about it, boys. Oh, we God. have to do God. it. For the record, Force of Nature <laughs> would have been ten times as good, or at least twice as good, if Mel Gibson was playing Mel Gibson. If it was just sure. Mel Gibson's refusing to leave his apartment yeah. in Puerto he basically Rico, is. he's and, basically playing himself. And, here. and and if Emil Hirsch played Emil Hirsch playing like a like a hotel security a guard, yeah, no. like you gotta go, sir. Like the hotel's closing, and he's like, "Fuck you," you know, like I'm not going anywhere. I do got to give the director credit though for. He's not playing himself, but he is. He is in a chair like Archie Bunker. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I got to give him yes. credit for that. I got to give Mel credit for going with that because he's so, just like he's got the Boston accent. He's in a chair like his racist Archie I Bunker. He self sounded he like one of the Three Stooges. And if you notice behind his chair, he had these coffee table books, and one of them was David LaChapelle. Really, <laughs> that all links up. But listen, the director is one of the. Polish brothers, Michael Polish. Who I didn't who was, like. I saw Twin Falls, Idaho in 1999. I have not yes. checked in with this guy since then. I've never yes. seen one of his movies. Me neither. But he's he's married to Kate Bosworth, so yes, he forced yes, his wife to be a lot. Yeah. That makes sense. Kate Bosworth appears in Force of Nature. But Michael Polish is one half of the Polish brothers, an identical twin directing team that got a lot of buzz from Twin Falls, Idaho back in the 90s. And I guess they've split up or something because hmm. Michael's here with this one. And North Fork, they also made a movie called North Fork that got some attention. And Big Sur, where he met Kate Bosworth. Yeah, I was never a really big fan of their movies. No. But here we are. <laughs> but, 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 but shouldn't we tell our listeners what kind of filmmakers the Polish brothers were Art, and, 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 film. And, and, and compared Art to films. this movie? Because this movie is yeah. like such a huge crazy departure granted it's only one of them this is 180 from anything that they were famous for like if terrence malick directed like a fast and the furious or yes. expendables movie or something but are their exactly. art films as good as like terrence malick no i've never seen their art films no no, no. twin falls yeah. idaho is a wolf in my memory that <laughs> yeah. Is not, yeah. it's it's empty art house provocation that uh, some people bought into yeah and oh, the fact that they were twin brothers added to the mystique a little bit yeah, they yeah. should but remake dead ringers tonight's film boys <laughs> we have to stay focused on tonight's film the general plot is we're in puerto rico the movie's shot on location in puerto rico there's a hurricane a coming there's a big old storm which is based on historical fact yes and emil hirsch plays a police officer that is tasked with going around and making sure people are clearing out and evacuating But properly. he's dressed like a security guard. So picture Emil Hurst, like he's totally dressed like a high school cop. <laughs> well, cop. he's a disgraced cop, too, at this point, right? He's been yes. sent down to desk duty because of, of a shooting incident where, you know, he, he actually shot his partner. Am I skipping ahead? No, no, no. no, 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 no. Meet, well, but what I thought was funny is when we meet Emil Hirsch's character, a la Mel Gibson's yeah. rigs from Lethal Weapon, he's got yeah. the gun in his mouth. 
it's yeah. a complete lethal weapon homage. Lucas is yeah. de- is demonstrating it right now perfectly. But it's not just it's not just a gun just placed in his mouth. He is like wrapping his lips around it. He loads and close, it like he's in closing his, his eyes tight. It's a total homage to Martin Riggs in Lethal. But weapon. it's right around that moment when I realize with the uh, the sound the sound effects of the thunderstorm and hurricane outside that we were in student feature territory like this <laughs> yeah. is definitely student, student feature, feature certified. certified Ooh, student feature certified so eventually he and his partner happen upon an apartment complex where most of the film's action is centered and there's a group of colorful characters at this apartment complex including an old german guy a guy who has t- had to go back to feed his cat and we kind of realize that the cat might not be a house cat. There might be something else having to do with this cat, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And Mr. Mel Gibson himself, who is playing Archie Bunker as a Boston former cop, and he is refusing to move, which is what Mel Gibson would probably do in this scenario. Yeah. yeah. He's medically on his last couple of years, too. We know that. He's yes. got a hacking cough. He's got a yeah. wheezing cough. Uh, but... I, what I what I what I actually said out loud, I was like Mel Gibson's one mode of performance in this movie is he's looking and reacting and treating all of his co-stars in front of him as if they're real police that have come to arrest him. Like, yes, <laughs> yes. genuinely looks mm-hmm. repulsed. Like, like, yes. why are these cops in my house? Like, yes. he does not look happy. At a certain point, he takes a swig of pills and Emil Hirsch's partner asks what they are, and he says, oxymorons for the pain. You want one? <laughs> oxymorons for the pain. Want one? <laughs> With that, that line you just quoted, which reminded me of the script and the dialogue, <laughs> that the, the cold open is so bad. We there's need to like, talk about the cold there's open. There's this David Zayas who played one of the cops from the Dexter TV show on, Sh- on Showtime years back. Batista. Yeah, but he, he's like the villain. He's like the heavy. He's great. He's a good guy. He's great. No, he's good. But like, this is how bad it is. So he's basically forcing him and his crony henchmen are forcing this old lady to give them something from a safe deposit box, which is like this really cheesy prop master painted cubist like Picasso knockoff. And as they're leaving this crowded bank during daylight hours with like extras in the background as bank tellers and customers, the partner gets the old lady down on her knees and then he shoots her in the head and then he shoots his partner in the head. Then he gets in the car and the guy and his and the driver's got these glasses on and is like, where's the old where's the guy and the old lady? And he goes and I quote. The prune panicked, so the baby got aborted. And I just started booing, and as I started booing, it said written by Carl, like whatever his name is, and yeah. I was like, boo. It's always so, nice when when like there's shitty music while like the composer's name comes up, or oh, there's shitty writing when the writer's name comes I, up. So so that the pro tip for all you screenwriters out there is don't fuck it up in the cold open. If you fuck it up in the first three to five pages, you're gonna fuck up your credit and they're gonna remember that you're a fuck up and they're gonna hate the rest of your movie. But sweet Lucas, we need to talk about what a cold open is, because that's not the cold open. The movie opens with an action sequence that we don't know anything that's mm-hmm. going on. Somebody's got a chokehold around Hirsch, and Mel Gibson's got a gun. It's raining. And it's oh, raining. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Told, I watched this last night. I have no memory it's, of that. It's a scene that happens 40 minutes into the movie, <sighs> and I guarantee it's because 
whoever the powers that be were were like you don't introduce Mel until 30 minutes oh, into the movie we point. gotta see Mel up point. front that's we gotta why. see yeah, Mel up yeah. front Aww. because there's no other earthly reason they throw us into this scene where it's chaos we don't know any of the characters we don't know what's going on it's technically action but who gives a shit ah. it's because they wanted mel front loaded i was yeah, thinking that was maybe true. the climax of a previously previous version of the uh, film that they had and then they were like we gotta fix some shit and reshoot I some shit or whatever lost yeah. all hope uh. for the movie right there because if you allow that to be your opening of your movie forget forget the dude the i prune, don't even the remember prune that. panicking and the baby no, being born. I don't even remember That's that the opening oh, because man. Your, your brain forcibly douched it out because it's so needless. Yeah, no, I, w- I went back and watched it again because I was like, was this <laughs> oh, in the movie, like, dude, I got to watch it right now because I, I have no recollection of that. That part of the cold open. So the movie definitely has like latter day Travolta stink all over it. Like it yeah, feels speed kills like all the way speed kills. It feels like it's definitely in that zone. I did read that another actor had originally signed on to do this film. If you guys look me, it up, let me guess. Let me guess. Christopher Walken for Mel Gibson's part. OK, I'll take it. Christopher I, Walken is not correct. Oh, 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 Harvey Keitel. <laughs> no. I would have liked to have seen Bruce Willis. Bruce oh, Willis is correct. Are you Bruce serious? Willis is correct. Oh, are you serious? Nailed it. Yes. Nailed it. Yes. He replaced Bruce Willis for this movie. And you could see Bruce Willis just as easily in this role, just Absolutely. this old curmudgeon. And Bruce Willis has already been making uh, these. He lives in yeah. this zone right now. So there's an art heist afoot. There is a secret cachet of stolen Nazi art that is in this apartment complex and basically the whole movie is just these goons led by batista from dexter just kind of swarming around figuring out where the art is and our heroes as it were are running afoul of them and yeah it's die hard in apartment complex right like we're stuck with another vod one location movie <laughs> mm-hmm. during during a hurricane yeah which is we've we've done too many one location vod movies for this yeah uh, but this is the whatever. recipe for a lot of movies that i enjoyed when i was younger you know it's like die yep. hard it's like under siege it's like all these yep. action movies that i really fucking enjoyed so i once i re- once i got that conceit once they got the old guy and i was like oh okay so they got to protect this old guy from these guys here they're in the he's in the wrong place at the wrong time okay i'm in for this let's see what you know all you had to do was do it competently after that. And yeah. I probably would have been along for the ride. You know what I mean? Yeah. So were you on the edge of your seat for this one? No, I was not. I was not. <laughs> it really, I feel the movie's really more of a drama than anything. Like yeah. it's not so much action or. Definitely or, not. You know, no. adventure, thriller. It's, it's, it's drama. There's like a lot of audition scenes. There's like a lot yeah, of I mean, just. Which, like, would make sense if you're, like, in a high-rise or something. But we're in an apartment complex, and they're taking these long, dramatic scenes Mm -hmm. where, like, Kate Bosworth is given a monologue about her dad who shoots frozen turkeys on Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. That that is an amazing, (laughs) an amazing scene. I got to call that the salad dragon. Yeah. The Salad Dragon. A scene in a movie that is so bizarre, baffling, or transcendent that it instantly justifies the price of admission. Or Reese Witherspoon's leafy transformation in A Wrinkle in Time. 
Kate Bosworth and Emile Hirsch. Emile Hirsch, by the way, is giving off very strong AJ from Sopranos vibes, if you know what I'm also, talking about. Also, I want to note, uh, he, he reminds me of The Lodge's bad boy. Resident bad boy? Resident bad boy. He definitely gives me Brother Jonathan vibes. Yes. So this scene, it belongs in the pantheon of like Phoebe Cates in Gremlins mid-movie, <laughs> yes, totally what-the-fuck monologue. Absolutely. The chimney. So... Basically, she's talking about growing up with her dad, Mel Gibson, and she says that he, you, you, you know what? I'll just play it. I'll play it right now. <laughs> My dad, he went out and bought a bunch of frozen turkeys. Not for eating them, but he brought them home to just shoot the fuck out of them all. Just filled those birds up with lead, just poop. Target practice. And I was really excited because I always wanted to be a doctor. And I loved it because I got to pick all the bullets out of the birds and stitch up all the holes. Wow. I mean, that that's in this movie. That's <laughs> yeah. that's a dramatic moment in this movie. And to me, like that was one of the best parts because mm -hmm. it, it took us away from what the movie thought it was about. It mm -hmm. just took us into this weird side avenue. And that's the kind of shit you have to look for in these dreadful VOD movies. You just have to look for any what the fuck moments. And the other the other what the fuck thread going through this whole movie is this guy's cat, which... <sighs> lives behind this triple locked door and you hear this growling and you know it's like Chekhov's tiger like when is it gonna pounce <laughs> yeah and it does end up pouncing but the budget is so woefully low uh, that okay. that that tiger i don't know what it was i went back and i, I, I don't know either. Framed yeah. it. i, I went it frame too. by I frame too. i don't know what it's like it a jaguar was. or a puma yeah, or like a, right. a female lioness it looked like a naked mole rat i thought that was a salad dragon yeah yeah double dragon that was definitely a double so, dragon because so nuts. i thought yeah i was like i had to freeze frame to try to figure out what kind of an animal this was right and they and build that, it up. Like, you don't know what animal it's going to be. Is it going to be like a fucking ape? Or yeah. You knew it was some exotic, very powerful, dangerous animal. But, <laughs> but when they actually what. show it, it's three frames of like a blown up naked mole rat. And they don't even show what happens. Like, they, they show the tiger attack the bad yep. guy. And then nope. you hear gunshots, gunshots. So we're assuming yep. they had to shoot the tiger, right? And then later, <laughs> when they like when they see their friend in the hospital bed, they're like, oh. he's like, how'd you get out of there? Like, we fed your pet tiger, but he doesn't oh, mention. And then we no. fucking killed it. So the logistics of the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. No, let's be clear. This movie was not finished. Like they ran, <laughs> they ran out of money. Yeah, Mel Gibson has like an unceremonious departure, and I was like, well, they oh, ran out. Of, but they I enjoyed that. Like, I liked that. They ran uh, out of days. They yeah. shoot the shit out of Mel in a in a stairwell, and he gives Sonny like Corleone a, style. Yeah. He gives a shitty little little goodbye, and then he's out. He, <laughs> he he is literally in his recliner for most of this movie, mm -hmm. and that was probably stipulated. That was probably from the Bruce Willis era. Dude, Bruce Willis was like, so I got to be sitting down, <laughs> and Mel's like, I'll keep that. I'll keep that stipulation. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was, man. It was gnarly. And right before that happened, another sign that they ran out of budget is, they, and this pissed me off, they walk into this room, 
And they're like, see, we found the fucking weapons cache. Look at there's a yeah. bazooka. There's an Uzi. And they don't use any of them. They don't them. use any of it. They don't take they, they don't, don't use any it. of them. Could you imagine being in a video game and you get all these guns and then and then you just go on to the next you try mission to pick and you it don't, up, but you can't. Yeah. It's just uh, it's just baked into the wall. Like, what do you Oof. Th- Oof. And then the the last line where the guy who owned the cat, who he trained to attack cops, by the way, and the bad guy puts on a police uniform, like it telegraphs the whole thing that he's going to get attacked by this tiger. But at the end, he gets one of the pieces of Nazi art that's worth like 200 million. Yeah. And the final line of the movie is he's looking at the piece of art. He's, he's laying in the hospital bed and he says, fuck, now I got to figure out how to sell this shit. <laughs> Yeah, he like mumbled <laughs> it. And I was like, what? End. I was like, what are you saying? It's like, bam, hurricane. And we cut to the song Hurricane by Jarek Bunton. Here I yeah. am. It's, and it's me like a hurricane. Yeah, it, it, no, that's not the song. They didn't it was, it was really bad. They couldn't afford that song. Yeah. No, no. Let's go to them nature bones. Bishki, I want your nature bones. All right, I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, <laughs> this movie is inept. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it, it, this Polish brother has not advanced uh, in his filmmaking <laughs> skills in 20 years. Um, as I said before, the film ran out of money. I can't believe they put they released it in its current form because it's just yeah. like... <laughs> like people are going to demand their money back because the <laughs> ending is such a head scratcher. Um, they have to, but it's ninety minutes. That's mm. that's a that's a good thing. It's a plus, um, <laughs> and it's it's a swan song for 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 Mad Mel. I think. Well, he's going to be. In, I think he'll be in VOD hell for the rest of his life, along with Emil yeah. Hirsch. Um, so we, we'll probably see more of him, but I don't know how much more the Lodge cast is going to cover of him. So for that last movie of Mel's that I might see, I'm going to give it uh, one bone being generous. One full bone. Yeah. And that's a generous bone. Yeah. All right. Brother Lucas, was this movie wet enough for you? You like the wet movies. <laughs> it, but was it wasn't, wet. It was it wasn't wet. underwater, though. There was no, no underwater no. shit. It wasn't underwater, nor was it crawl. Yeah. Um, and I kind of wish it was because there were three different movies I could have made out of this uh, stew. Is this a live rewrite? This is a live rewrite. Oh, shit. <laughs> do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. The first one is once I realized that there were more dramatic scenes than action scenes, I was thinking, wow, you know, it would be interesting if you kind of had like an ensemble drama with not just Mel Gibson, but like, you know, uh, Tommy Lee Jones or Morgan mm-hmm. Freeman and, and every floor, there's like a different old father or old person, old actor. Like and, shortcuts in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's not just Emile Hirsch and Kate Bosworth, but it's like a, an ensemble of young, famous actors. And each, you know, each person has their own floor to clear out. And we get to know these people through the course of the night. And then finally, when they convince them to like leave and vacate, it's too late. The hurricane's there and everyone has to pull together to survive. Now, the other version I could make of this is like, 
the Judge Dredd or the Raid type movie where every neighbor has a gun and like, you know, the hurricane's happening. And then it's like, hey, like all the neighbors turn on each other for like whatever yeah. personal petty like grievances like or like a vendettas or whatever. And it's like they're all just like shooting each other up like some kind of um, Stephen Chow, you know, Kung Fu Hustle type of movie. LT's live rewrite. Still bad in a thousand. <laughs> I like Still that Still bad in a thousand. Um, I don't know how he does it. But but. Yeah. But like, yeah, watching it as it is, I mean, it's it's a fundamental, like, interesting concept. Like the the concept is good, but you you gotta chop it up differently. I mean, I I, I definitely had problems with like, yeah, it's like art, and you know, like, why is Mel Gibson in Puerto Rico? Like, why is it poor? Like, why not just <laughs> double it for something else? Like, you could have cheated it, you know? Like, it didn't have to be Puerto Rico for any re reason, I guess, uh, except for like a couple scenes maybe where people were speaking Spanish. But uh, the the other thing I wanted to touch upon before I give my my bone count is. Mm. It's interesting, like like Bishke said, that Mel Gibson and Emil Hirsch, who, you know, 10, 20 years ago, respectively, were each at the top of their game and the A-list making franchise level movies and Oscar nominated movies. But now, yeah, they're very much jettisoned into deep space purgatory of straight to VOD. <laughs> and what's interesting is I watched this because it was a drama. I was thinking like, man, you know, like like actors who are fucked up, who, who are also big stars can like suppress or like ignore the fact, you know, or be in denial of the fact that they're fucked up because they're so distracted with, you know, avatar or whatever big blockbuster they're, they're making. But if you're making force of nature in Puerto Rico, there is no, there is no distraction. It's like, like, whatever, less of a cushion like around yeah, it. like exactly whatever character you're playing, whatever lines you're saying is more you than than the character. So at a certain point, it's like this weird fucked up therapy, like where the actors like Mel Gibson and Me Hirsch are like, you know, talking about like the, the wrongs they've made. I mean, it's like it's very weird. Like you can kind of look at it as like this fucked up special torture for them because they have to access emotions in the most like threadbare way. And because it just, it's like so many degrees closer to a home movie. Yeah. So you're like, this is so much closer to real it's cutting closer to the bone because i can honestly see emil hirsch working as like a security guard in five years <laughs> someone to like leave you know what i mean like it was kind of haunting you know? sir, like, was like, <laughs> sir this is a wendy's like putting out putting um, out a cigarette to go kick somebody off the property <laughs> <laughs> but like i gotta uh, echo brother bishki and give it one bone for for the concept like i love hurricanes like i wish i wish it was like the the real life like hurricane that happened in puerto rico but there was some kind of cool heist with like the locals ripping off like some government gold or property or some shit and i wish it was like fun exciting and like that, that but this was not it like this was definitely yeah. not it one bone and one bone brother d what are you gonna do with this let force ask, of nature let me ask first of the rules is the quarantine bone still uh, available oh yeah the quarantine oh, yeah. half bone bump okay, the cool. quarantine bump it's, a, it's traditionally bump, yeah. a half bone but yeah, yeah you can give it however whatever kind of bump you want if you need oh, man to. it's tempting um <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so much to unpack. I watched this movie too early, and I thought way too much about it. I was yeah. like, why am I thinking so much about this movie? I watched it days ago, and I was like, you I were just want to spit me. out. You were texting me. I was trying to keep it muted. Yeah. You're like, I, I need to talk about it. I'm like, I, I we can't talk about this yet. It does not deserve this much thought. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like this movie. 
but now that you mentioned that they're art house guys, it kind of made a little more sense because I felt like there was a different like maybe there was too many cooks in the kitchen. Like somebody else came in and rewrote it because a lot of things were very contradictory. And I'll give you a prime example. This bad guy nice. played by David Zayas, who was great. I, I think he's great. awesome. I think he's an awesome yeah. actor. They write this character that's an awesome character, John the Baptist. He knows everything. He researches John everything. the Baptist. I forgot yeah. about that. But he's also he's also vicious, right? So he, he's super smart, super motivated, but super vicious. But we know he's there for the money, and he's there for this art. And he does something in the movie. I don't want to give anything away in case any of you... You can give it away. Okay. He gets to this art room where he's been talking about these paintings that are worth $50 million, $100 <laughs> yes. million. Dollars. And earlier he said how intelligent he is. He gets to this art room, and he puts the guy in front of it, and he fucking blows his brains out all over one of the paintings. <laughs> he ruins a $50 million painting that we're, I mean, we're led to believe, you know what I mean? Like that, that kind of contradictory character shit is infuriating. And it just, it, it just seems like that, that, that maybe there was another movie where they were trying to make a, a more meta movie with more meta yeah. about uh, Emil Hirsch and Mel Gibson and stuff. And then they, it, it made a lot of promises that it didn't keep. And the promises that it did made and keep were like, like I don't need rain in the audio track the whole fucking movie it's it's a a commitment that you don't need to make in a movie it made made it hard to understand yeah and same with having a character who coughs through all of his dialogue it's a commitment you don't need to make but when you make this commitment about this action movie and and then all of a sudden it's like these action scenes are laughable where the guy's got a gun on emile hirsch and he just like his 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 tactic is to just reach out and grab it and then (laughs) yeah that's how he disarms him i don't know man i really thought i was going to enjoy this this movie once i realized what the conceit was but it just wasn't done well I'm going to go one bone as well with a half bone quarantine bump. <laughs> oh, nice. one and a half. One and a half. Oh, there and it is. I just realized there there was one more final third library right idea, which is. It's yeah, the, we've been waiting. It's, it's the same movie, except <laughs> the midpoint, like an hour in is the neighbor's big cat gets loose and it yes. is a, yeah. and it is a yes. tiger so they all have to band yes. together to kill the now tiger and, it, yes. and you get to the yeah. end where mel gibson has to be like sloth in the goonies where he's like sloth loves chunk like go yes. and mel gibson guys. mel gibson has like the liam neeson wolf showdown and the movie's called yes. swimming tiger <laughs> i don't know about that title but everything else is 1000 percent on target or the old man and the sea tiger i i want to see that movie now that'd be a great um movie. brother d seeing batista from dexter reminds me of our history with dexter oh yeah and <laughs> which is hilarious dexter's a, a phenomenal tv show i love season of, three and season four it just for watch, most just, of its just, run. just watch three and four don't watch yep. any of the other ones it's just i disagree four. one and two are great uh, one and two and three and four are great but anyway i started watching it and brother d was excited that i was watching it and he was so excited that he texted something that totally ruined the end of the first season and most of the second season <laughs> and i took this in and it because the show was so good it hurt that much worse so i i was a crouching tiger if you will and the crouching sea tiger and later on when brother d was marveling about this show called breaking bad i decided to step in and with one text ruined his third Uh, season completely and he never went back to it the man Uh, never went back to it cruel never finished it yeah his retaliation was was devastating but after after that arms race we can still be friends we can still smile we can still laugh but it was testy there for a while i love how we're doing anything (laughs) 
think we can to get away from talking about Force of Nature. It made me think of other movies the entire time. I was like, oh, Hard Rain, other movie that's better. Assault on Precinct 13, Crawl, Trespass. I'm not going to belabor this. I am going to give the tiger plot one-fourth of a bone <laughs> and the turkey monologue one-fourth of a bone, bringing it to a grand total of one half of one bone. Oof. No quarantine. Right. Fuck this movie. One of my favorite <laughs> moments was when Kate Bosworth went to the old man's apartment and the entire scene was her just screaming at him like, you need to leave, sir, right now. Mm -hmm. Can you hear me? Oh, We've got oh. to go. Thank you, Brother D. Yes. We'll try to get you something more nutritious next time. No, thank you for having me. I, I was just happy to finally be on a prestige movie with you guys. Um, I'm finally being respected. You know, it's like, and I, I appreciate it. Hey, that, you started you with Knives Out, and now we've floated all That's the way true. downstream to Force of That's true. And I do believe that I predicted that that would get zero nominations. And did it get zero, or did it get equal I out? I think it's got zero. Yeah, everyone else was talking about it. I said no nominations. All right. Yeah. Well, no you're, the, but anyway. you're the resident soothsayer. But I will say I'm, I was excited to be back on. And, yes. And Thank you for inviting of me, course, as always. Of course. Well, oh, love and light and stay dry, everybody. <laughs> stay dry. <laughs> love and light. Get an umbrella. Love and light. <laughs>